Well, good morning, everyone. As is my usual custom, I'm going to start you out with a little story. There was a church, much like our church, that was looking for a pastor. They needed a pastor. So after listening to a guy speak and checking out his references, they hired him. And he was a little older guy, very well experienced. So they were excited when he came up the first Sunday morning to preach. He got up in the pulpit and he started preaching and he was done in 15 minutes. The audience, the members of the congregation were delighted because they had never only heard a 15-minute message. The elders were a little concerned, but they figured, ah, you know, first week, let's, let's give them a chance. So the second week, he got up, and he did the normal 45-minute sermon that they were used to. So elders were shaking their head, you know, good choice. And then the third week, he got up. The timer was set, and he went on and on and on. Two and a half hours later, he stopped. The congregation was mad. The elders were mad. They actually called an emergency meeting after the service, and they grabbed this pastor, and they brought him in. They said, now, now we hired you. We checked you out. What is going on? 15 minutes, 45 minutes, two and a half hours. The pastor said, let me explain. He said, right before I came to do the first sermon, I got, got fitted with some new dentures, and they really hurt and I could only speak for 15 minutes. The second week, they felt pretty comfortable, so I could do my normal 45-minute sermon. He said, this morning I got up and accidentally grabbed my wife's dentures. <laughs> Forgive me, women. It's just a joke. <laughs> Last week, um, Jack Supp was kind enough to switch with me and to do the introduction to James because I was on a golf trip with uh, some of the men from the church. There were 24 of us that went down to Myrtle Beach. And probably the most exciting thing that happened there wasn't my golf game. It was looking up on hole number 17 at Myrtle Beach National Course and seeing a balloon in the sky. And I looked at that, and I thought, that balloon is not moving. If that little kid lost it at a birthday party, that thing is staying stationary. It's not moving. And then within a minute, I saw two jets flying up there and encircling it. And then I realized it was the Chinese spy balloon. When we finished the round, the balloon was just drifting so very slowly toward the ocean because the course is only a couple miles from the ocean. My buddy and I got in the car because we shot terrible. We knew we weren't going to win anything. Probably a minute after we left for the hotel, Dennis and some of the other guys were there. They saw it get shot down. So anyway, that was the most exciting thing about my, my trip. Um, so uh, I want to I thank Jack. And I listened to Jack's uh, sermon because I wasn't here. And um, I know he shared some uh, personal insights into his spiritual growth after experiencing some trials and some uh, heartache uh, last year with the events that his family went through. It's always helpful to do a brief review of the previous sermon, especially if you're studying the same book of the Bible, the same chapter. So the first 18 verses of James dealt with the trials and temptations that we go through, uh, the purpose of going through them as believers. We found that God does not tempt us, but usually we fall into sin when we're carried away by our own flesh and we give in to the temptations. 
Uh, if you don't mind, I'm just going to take a couple minutes and look at the last two verses that were covered, um, verses 17 and 18. Um, it's not going to be up on a screen, but I'll just read those verses. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. The exercise of his will, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So this passage, it's only two verses, talks about that every good and perfect gift, these gifts are um, both the act of the giving and the receiving are blessings from our Heavenly Father. We need to remember that. And biblical theologians have dug deep into the history of the early church, and they found out there was actually a Christian hymn called Father of Lights. It's possible, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that James may have referenced this at the end of verse 17. And I want us to keep in mind that Christ as we find in the last couple chapters of Revelation, will be the light in heaven. There will be no more need for the sun, the moon, or stars to provide light because Christ will be sitting on his throne and he will cast the light out. Also, we don't have to worry anymore about shifty uh, shadows or scary shadows. When I was a little kid, my sister and I were sitting in the back seat of a car And we were coming back from some event late at night, and I saw some bushes swaying in the wind in the night. And I used to have some some nightmares about bushes chasing me. No more nightmares in heaven. No more nightmares. Christ is going to be our light. In verse 18, there's the mention of his will. God's will is that we'd all become believers in his son. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, I've, I model my prayers every morning after the Lord's Prayer. I take each segment of it and I pray according to what that, that um, segment is. You know, our world is in a terrible mess politically. Our country, the government is horrendous. There's infighting. Uh, They're letting immorality run rampant. They're not taking care of the needs of the people. And this is true around the world. Won't it be great when Christ sets up his millennial kingdom and he is the king of kings and lord of lords? Nobody will be able to pull the wool over his eyes. He will be in complete control. And then eventually he's going to usher in his new heavens and new earth. Uh, At the end of the sermon last week, there was a little gospel invitation. I'd like to, to talk a little bit more about that. When we think about the gospel of Christ, we have a verse that's up here. It's Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Christ chose the way of giving salvation by having people reveal the word of truth. And at Grace Church, we're committed to sharing the word of truth on a weekly basis. We do this in our Sunday school classes, we do it in our morning service, we do it with youth group activities, with women's ministries, with men's ministries, we do this. 
And once again, just a little review. What's the word of truth? Jesus died on the cross as a payment for our sins. He rose again on the third day to defeat death once and for all. And once we acknowledge this, we acknowledge him, we ask forgiveness of our sins, and we invite Christ into our lives, we become believers and we secure our eternal salvation in heaven. At the end of verse 18, it talks a little bit about the first fruits. And what I'd like to talk about is the Jewish believers that heard the word of truth, accepted Christ into their lives. We know on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people became believers. And they began to spread the gospel message around. And this was in obedience to the Great Commission where Christ told us to go out into all the world and spread the gospel. And you heard from Cara and you heard a testimony last week. And you'll hear a few more about the mission trip that went to Kentucky to, to help to feed the very poorest of the people, but also to share the gospel message with them. And we have missionaries around the world that are doing that right now. All right, so let's go to the... Uh, passage at hand, which would be verses 19 to 17, hearing and acting upon the word of God. So let's read uh, these scriptures. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So verse 19 starts out by telling us that we need to be quick to listen, quick to hear. I read the book of Proverbs every morning. I've told you guys this before. It's a great way to start the day. It has so many instructions for living. And so I had done this sermon many, many weeks ago um, because I was previously a school teacher and a school administrator. I always get prepared ahead of time. I don't do things overnight. So I had my sermon done. I went down to Myrtle Beach. I had a little free time in the evenings. I started to uh, add some stuff to it, and it's interesting, as I was reading through the different passages in Proverbs, many of them line up with the book of James. So Proverbs 5.1 says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to the words of insight. And that backs, backs this up, okay? Be quick to listen. And when we listen to people, we should listen with the proper motivation, if they're going through an issue, we want to we listen to them. We don't want to tell them an answer before we even heard what they had to say. Verse 19 is also backed up. We're going we're to be going all through the five books of uh, James. Chapter 3 does instruct us to be careful what we say. We need to be s slow to speak. We need to be slow to speak. Um, Proverbs 17, 8, 17, 28 says, Even fools are thought to be wise if they remain silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Proverbs 10, 19, Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. So several passages from Proverbs cry out. And then Proverbs 6, 19 says, God hates those who stir up conflict in a community. 
This happens at times when one is not listening and they hear something that they, or maybe they hear something they don't agree with, and instead of listening to the whole case, they fly off the handle and, and have a, a temper tantrum. We need to be very, very careful about that. Verse 19 is also backed up by James chapter 4, in which we're told to be slow to anger or slow to wrath. What I really like is that the themes in the Bible just tie together over and over and over again. Chapter 4 backs up verse 20 that tells us that anger can't produce the righteousness that God desires. Ephesians 4.26, it tells us that we can be angry, but when we're angry, we're not to sin, not to let that anger turn into sin. And it kind of reminds us that we should resolve the issues before the sun goes down so that your anger doesn't go on and on and on. Now, let's just talk realistically, folks. We have husbands and wives. I've done this a couple times. My wife's done it a couple times where we're a little bit angry and we go to bed angry. And then we kind of shrug off, you know, any, any attempt to try to work things out. And unresolved anger, it damages marriages. It damages other relationships, friendships, relationships at work. So I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, I had a grandfather who I used to see on a weekly basis. They only lived about a mile from my house. He had emphysema. He worked in a tool and die shop in Philadelphia. He would have been uh, one of those people applying for the uh, compensation because that metho, whatever disease you get with the lungs, he probably was breathing in asbestos. And on top of that, he had smoked for about 40 years. I never saw my grandfather smoke my entire life. There was never a cigarette in his house, never the smell of tobacco. So he had quit smoking by the time I was born, but the damage was already done. So right after he retired, and he worked till he was like 68 because uh, he was the breadwinner of the family. He was trying to build a share of Social Security up, trying to put a little aside. He could no longer really grocery shop on his own. So I took him grocery shopping. I got the cart. As we're walking down the aisle, I was pushing it for him because he was walking very slow because he could barely breathe. Uh, he, he did not have the benefits of the medical technology we have today. There are COPD treatments. There are people that can carry the portable oxygen tanks now. It would have probably extended his life a few more years. But here we are. I'm not much of a grocery shopper, but I'm helping him. I'm putting things in. We're talking. And I was dating my wife at the time, and I'd been going out with her for about two years. So I said, Grandpa, I love Holly, and when we get done school, we're getting married. My grandfather, who rarely went to church, he, he apparently went to a church in Philadelphia, and there was some falling out, and he got mad. And so him, him and my grandma just stopped attending church. But he said... I want to give you a little bit of advice. And he used the Ephesians 4.26 principle. He said, your grandmother and I have been married almost 50 years. And the reason that is so is because we made an agreement to never go to bed mad at each other. We always worked to resolve the issue before we went to bed. And I thought, wow, here's the wisdom of a guy who probably hasn't been in church in 20 years, but he recalls the scripture. And they made that scriptural principle part of their lives, and they resolve that. I never saw them fight, never saw them fight. 
There is a righteous anger that we all experience when we see injustice is done. Um, I, when I watch the news, my wife gets mad at me because I yell at the TV set because I don't like uh, when newscasters lie or put a spin or promote immorality. Christ had a righteous anger when he saw the money changers in his temple, in his father's house. And he got whips, and he turned over the tables, and he cast them out of there. Now, I, I wouldn't recommend that action today at work. If somebody does something, you, you might get arrested for that. But the neat thing is, on Judgment Day, Christ will correct all the injustices that have been done from the beginning of time up until that day. He will correct them, and those who have done wrong will be punished. I also want to, again, speak a little bit about anger while we're on that issue. Turn off, parents, teenagers, turn off any type of media, TV, movies, internet, the news, whatever, that models anger. There are reality shows on TV every single day that do a disservice to all of us and especially our children because they teach them it's okay to yell, it's okay to scream, it's okay to manipulate, argue, to put people down, to get your way because after all, you're the most important person on earth. I cannot take these shows. Sometimes uh, I used to go to Arby's in Clinton and they would have one of those talk shows on at noon when I went to get my dinner. I thought, why do you put this stuff on? ridiculing and belittling people. Proverbs 22, 24 to 25 instructs us to avoid angry people so we don't learn their ways and pick up their bad traits. And unfortunately, it's very easy if somebody flies off the handle, they use a couple choice words, whatever. If you hear that over and over again, you find yourself doing it. You're saying, why am I doing that? Well, you've seen it modeled and now you're picking that up. So once again, turn off that media and stay away from people that are angry. Um, it says in Proverbs 4.24, keep your mouth free of perversity, keep corrupt talk from your lips. Uh, one other quick story, we were um, on our way to the course one morning in Myrtle Beach, and uh, if you guys know Route 31, Route 31 is a bypass they put in about 20 years ago, because if you wanted to go anywhere between North uh, Myrtle Beach and Myrtle Beach, you had to be on Route 17, there's traffic light, traffic light, traffic light, so they put this 31 in, and you can go 65, 70 miles an hour. So I'm on my way to the course. 70 miles an hour, I'm in the middle lane, not holding anybody up. All of a sudden, this car comes flying up behind me. This would be like a road rage thing. Flies up, gets right on my tail, then he whizzes around me in the right-hand lane, and as he goes around, I see this big sticker on the back of his car. Blank you, you blanking blank. And of course, the words were written out. And I thought, there is a person who has some deep-seated anger. He drives like a madman, and he has profanity laced on his car. That would be a person that I would avoid, other than maybe to witness to him. In verse 21, we're instructed to stay away from moral filth and evil. So we need to be careful of what we watch on TV, the Internet, and in the movies. And I'm going to give you a prime example just this past week. The Grammys were on. I don't watch any of the Oscars or Grammys or any of those things because they're glorifying people, not God. But they are stretching and they are getting more risky every time they have a show and more daring. 
And the Grammy performance last week featured a guy in a devil's at, uh, outfit with the horns on and people dressed as demons performing a song that glorified adultery, cheating on one's spouse. And this was like the highlight of the show. Folks, if you let your kids watch that stuff, don't be surprised if you start having some problems. That's the stuff we need to flick off. Revelation 21 verse 8 gives this very strong warning. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Now, doesn't mean you can never commit a sin. The difference is when Christians commit a sin, we repent of that sin. We ask God's forgiveness and we try to turn from that sin. These people have no interest in turning from the sins. They love this type of behavior and they practice it. And this is what we see glorified on the internet, what we see glorified on TV and the movies. Uh, Instead, we are told that we are to humbly receive the word of God which is called the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. And I want to give you um, a couple examples of the process of engrafting or implanting. Uh, A number of years ago, I was playing basketball, and because I've been an athlete all my life, and I used to do a lot of construction in the summers, my knees wore out. And I had some debris in my knees, I had a meniscus that was partially torn, arthritis, all those issues. Um, And I took a vitamin called glucosamine. It helped to keep the joints in check, and I was able to play. But one night, unbeknownst to me, I played a game and played pretty well and felt good. And when I got up the next morning, my knee was about this big. And what happened is the meniscus must have been hanging on by a thread, and I must have turned overnight, and it ripped, and then my knee swelled. So I went through x-ray, MRI, I went and had the cortisone shot, got the water pill to take the fluid out, uh, gave it a little rest, and when I started playing again, it just started blowing up. So I was very despondent. Been an athlete all my life. I have some friends that have had hip and knee replacements. I thought, my, my playing days are done. And so I heard about a stem cell procedure that could be done that might be able to heal the meniscus in the uh, tissue. So I got online, I did some research, I made an appointment. And to make a long story short, I went up to the National Spine and Pain Center in Chevy Chase and I went through a three-part process and I had stem cells and blood platelets engrafted into my torn meniscus. And over the next months, that meniscus that was completely split in half began to join together And eventually it healed 100%. And I am able now to play ball, no issues at all with the meniscus. Another example of engrafting would be when a farmer wants to grow uh, a certain fruit on another fruit tree. So he does a little slice into the trunk of the tree and he takes a branch from the other fruit tree and he engrafts it in, maybe he tapes it up, does whatever. And after a while, that new branch starts taking the water and the nutrients from the mother tree. And eventually that branch grows and it produces a different type of fruit. In fact, um, we ordered a tree a few years ago that was supposed to have five different types of fruit grow from the tree. 
So far, we've only gotten some apples. I haven't seen the plums and the pears and the others. Maybe they didn't engraft those branches in. But anyway, the story of those two things is the word of God should be like my stem cells, should be like that branch grafted on a tree where we study it and we let it get into our lives and it helps us to bear fruit. I want to share... Um, a little song that we used to sing in Sunday school class in church. And those of you who are old timers, you might remember this. You know, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little eyes what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful little eyes what you see. And then it goes on, be careful little ears what you hear. Then the next verse, be careful little tongue what you say. Be Be careful little hands what you do. Be careful little feet where you go. Be careful, little heart, who you trust. Oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. And then the chorus, for the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, little ears, little tongue, little hands, little feet, little heart, little mind, what you see, hear, say, do, go, trust, and think. So that ties in with what we just talked about, about staying away from the moral filth and doing all those things, and then rather looking for the engrafted word. Um, when I got on Facebook about, oh my goodness, I've probably been on that 15 years, I heard about it, wasn't really interested in it, and my son said, Dad, it's a great way to stay in contact with people, your high school classmates, your college classmates, former students and stuff. So he got on there, he set me up, set me up with a password, you know, so I got on, I started making friends. One of the things that delighted me in the early days was seeing that people that I went to high school with who were not believers, And then Christ got a hold of their lives sometime after graduation, college years, young adult years. And I remember one in particular, a guy that was a statistician on my basketball team when I was in high school. I was a senior. He was a junior. Uh, When he got out of high school, he served in the military for a while, served our country. Then he got saved. And so then he went to Bible college. Uh, He became an associate pastor at a small church, learned how to play the guitar, led the praise and worship for the church. And when I looked at him and I thought, wow, there's an example of the word of truth going out, becoming engrafted in his life, and now he is a witness for the kingdom of God. So that's what we need to be looking at. All right, next, we have uh, what I call the actions of the word. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So we're going to talk a little bit about being doers of the word. Martin Luther led the Protestant Reformation. I used to teach on this in school. He focused on salvation by faith in Christ alone. He wasn't as focused on the good works as other theologians were, probably because the church back then was teaching that you had to take all seven sacraments to get into heaven that you had to get into heaven by doing good works. Well, Martin Luther King, Martin Luther, sorry, Martin Luther King was named after him. Martin Luther said, no, it's by faith in Christ alone, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. So 
as we go on and study the book of James, and somebody else will cover this in an upcoming chapter, chapter 2, verse 17 says, faith without works is dead. So I believe that once you truly get saved, you are going to produce good works because you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. In verses 23 and 24, it talks about the man looking into the mirror and forgetting what he looks like. And it says it's like someone who hears God's word and doesn't produce the good works. So let's take a little bit of time and talk about mirrors. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning, I twist and turn different positions on the pillow. My hair is all over the place. I get up, I look in the mirror, I don't look my best. So I trust that we all have some kind of morning routine. I happen to shower in the morning. Some people may shower at night, so they get up, they wash their face, whatever. If you're a guy, you get up, get a shower, hop out, you get your trimmer out, you either trim your beard or your shave. Well, well most of us trim our beards and shave. There are a couple that are, you know, have the hillbilly look. Women will get there in the mirror, maybe pluck an eyebrow or two, and they get their makeup and they do all that. Um, teenagers are looking for blemishes to see what they need to do to cover up the blemish. I mean, let's, let's face it. We've all done this kind of stuff. Then we comb our hair. We go in and we get dressed for the day, whatever the occasion. If we're going to work, we're going to dress in work attire, whatever. And uh, then we're going to get in front of that mirror again to make sure that the hair is in place, the makeup looks good, our attire looks good. And we hop in our car and we're going to the place. And then we have that little mirror that's on a visor that we can pull down. <laughs> we can check. We got the side mirror. Some people carry a little mirror in their purse and are checking it out. And we do all this because we want to make sure that we look good. So mirrors are good. They help us to look our best. Now I want to tie that into looking into a mirror or listening to the word of God and then forgetting. You see, we have an enemy named Satan. Have you ever sat in a church service and you heard a message and you said, this week I am going to do this. I'm going to take the advice from the sermon and I'm going to apply it to my life. And then you go throughout the week or two and then something gets your attention and you realize that you never implemented that change that you wanted to do. You're thinking, what in the world? Well, Jesus identified in John 10.10a, Satan, as a thief, as a murderer, and as a destroyer. And it shouldn't surprise us when he destroys a memory that we have to do good, because he is our enemy. So this kind of ties into... Verses 23 and 24 into uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 26, which encourages us to get together and worship. We should be worshiping together on a weekly basis. In addition to that, we should be having our own scriptural reading and prayer time every single day. If we're listening to the truths of the Word of God in church on Sunday mornings, and then we're reading those truths from the Word of God seven days a week, and we're in prayer to God seven days a week, he's going to help us to remember the truth so that the destroyer doesn't get in and take those away from us. And then we fulfill Matthew 5.16, where people can see our good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven. So we are not to forget the word. And then... Um, verse 25 lets us know that if we produce good works, we will be blessed. 
giving of our time, our talents, and our finances to help others and to help the church. You heard the stewardship messages last month. We're going to be blessed if we do these things. Right now, I am waiting for uh, uh, an email or a letter from Samaritan's Purse, a couple other Christian organizations, because they're going to be collecting supplies and they're going to be flying to Turkey and Syria, and they're going to be setting up medical tents, and they're going to have food distribution tents, and as soon as I get that, I will be writing a check to help them with the people that need that relief, and they need to hear the gospel. So let's make sure that we are blessed by doing the word of God. We're also told to watch our speech and um, let me see here. Chriselle does my PowerPoint for me. I just need, might need to hop ahead a couple. Uh, let's see. Oh, let me go back. I have another passage here. Okay, so let me, let me um, read verses 26 and 27. They aren't up on the screen. Those who consider themselves religious... And yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Once again, James talks about the tongue. It's all woven throughout the book of James. Proverbs 26, 22 to 24 says that when there is a lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer or gossiper, the quarreling will cease. It compares a quarrelsome man who kindles strife to charcoal being fuel for the fire and wood is being fuel for the fire. And it also talks a little bit about the enticement it's given when people want to hear the juicy details of gossip. Look, let's face it, we're humans, we all like to hear good stories, but sometimes those stories are at the expenses of others. So we need to be careful. Do you, have you ever run into somebody who you're just talking to in casual conversation and you mention what, what, what you consider to be a fact and this person immediately hops in and says, no, it isn't, it's just the opposite. And then you say something else and everything you say they disagree with. That's the type of person to avoid because they're in there and they're stirring up conflict all the time. So be careful. The tongue gets us in so much trouble. All of you guys have watched the news and you have heard of cases where a politician or a sports announcer or the pastor of a church or some celebrity made some off-the-cuff remark. They didn't think. They stuck their foot in their mouth before thinking and they ended up getting fired or they lost their career. People's entire lifetime, what they've been doing is gone in a flash because they didn't watch what they said. So we all know that we can be angry to the point of wanting to say something, but we have to be careful. Keep the foot out of our mouths. Um, one of the things I appreciated about Jack's message last week is he talked a, bit, a little bit about the Lord has been working in his life, and he didn't think he was as far along as he thought he should be in some of the areas. Well, the same thing. i got to work a little bit on my tongue. And I will never say anything in front of your face, but what I might say is, you know, that person really got an issue over there. i got to work on that, just like we all do. 
And this morning, it's kind of funny, I was in a dead sleep and my wife didn't wake me up till about a half hour before I had to be here to do the first part of the Revelation Sunday School class. But I have a thing that I do. I'm going to read a book of Proverbs before I get started today. So as I was sitting there eating my breakfast, rushing along, I got Proverbs out. And Proverbs 12, 25 says that when somebody is feeling anxious, you give them a kind word to cheer them up. So I want to encourage myself, I want to encourage you guys to say good things, to lift people up, to have an encouraging word. So then we are told to care for the widows and orphans and those in need. Um, As an elder in a church, it's neat to see some of the elders and deacons caring for people. I know that some of the men of the church have helped a couple widows with some of their housing repairs and stuff like that. And this is really putting the gospel into action. And we need to support any type of ministry that cares for people who are in need, but especially here, the widows and the orphans. And the final little message we get from this chapter is to keep ourselves pure, to keep from being stained by this world. So come to church, read the Bible every day, pray to God, be careful what you say, be uplifting, help others in need, Give of your time and your talents and your finances for the kingdom of God.